And welcome to the David and Ralph Show podcast. How are you today, Ralph? Not too bad. And yourself? I'm good. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has come and gone. We're still, we're recording this actually the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, but it's going to go up this coming Saturday, which if you're listening to it on Saturday, it will be today, Saturday. What did you think about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year, the reimagined version? I mean, I think they kept it in essence like traditional Thanksgiving Day parades in the past, just that you don't have spectators, you don't have the march down from Central Park West, and he had more pre-taped performances. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the beginning I was interested in it, and I kind of lost interest as, as the hours went by. I think, was it three hours or so? Right. But I felt like I lost interest, though then again, I feel like in the previous years it was similar, where you start watching it, you're like, okay, great. And then I think you're really looking for specific performances on people you know or things you care about. Right. Overall, I think it was all right. I don't think it was too bad in general. I guess a good way to still hold the event, given what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to what I said before, they kept the essence of how the parade is usually run every year. So it still runs from 9 a.m. Eastern to 12 p.m. Eastern. They still kicked it off with like an opening number. Then they jump over to Al Roker and Macy's CEO, Jeff Gannett. They do the ribbon cutting and then they start the parade. The only difference is they don't have to march down that first hour from Central Park West down to 34th Street. They're right at 34th Street. And it's kind of like a reset. They start off at one end of 34th Street walk down in front of the uh, Macy's entrance where they have the Tom Turkey display, and then they kind of just circle back around for the next group. But they still had the balloons. They still had floats. They didn't have spectators. You didn't have the audience, but they did the waving just as if there were people there. And there were people there. They had the camera people. They had the crew and then the viewers at home. And some of it was live and some of it was pre-taped. But I think overall they did a pretty good job in creating that same atmosphere of what you normally get in the parade, even though it wasn't your typical parade that you would normally see every year. Yeah, I mean, overall, I I, I kind of went in and out, like I said, started watching it and then sort of went back and forth, went back and forth between cooking and just watching the parade. And I think I ended up focusing more on the cooking side and just sort of listening to the parade. So I think that's why overall, to me, did it make such a difference? Because if you're not watching it, you can't really see it, right? You're just listening. And if you're listening for performances... I think only thing you don't get is really the audience reaction. Right. And that, that's right. really it. So Yeah, and you touched on a, a difference for yourself this year in that you were preparing your own Thanksgiving meal instead of coming over, the whole family gathered together for Thanksgiving. So what was your experience this year in terms of preparing your own Thanksgiving, preparing your own turkey, preparing your own ham? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty brutal. I mean... In previous years, I've done uh, Friendsgiving, where right. um, I gather with friends, and we, we each cook something, and we bring it over, or, or, or hold some sort of event with food, but you're not doing everything yourself. So I think the significant difference here was that I was literally doing everything myself, right? Prepping, cooking the turkey, monitoring the turkey. Then once the turkey was done, got to the ham, have to monitor the ham as I'm doing that, working on the sides, and as you're doing everything, it's just, it's just one thing after another, and time just flies right by. And then right. it wasn't just the cooking part. Now it was the, the carving of the turkey, where 
you have all the juices all over the table now. And I guess I, I didn't follow one, one piece of advice of don't go too far from your kitchen when doing it. But right. for my kitchen, it's smaller. So there's not as much space to be able to properly carve the turkey without right. just making a bigger mess. So I ended up deciding to do it in the living room, living room table and everything. But that just had that just created even more of a mess. And now I had to go back and forth to clean, you know, between the kitchen and the living room with everything just dripping all over the place. And then the same situation with the ham. Then it's the cleanup. So I, I think all of that was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And it does take a lot out of you. I mean... After I ate, I just felt really tired. It wasn't from the food, but I think it was just exhausting from doing everything from when I woke up. Literally, it was like 8 a.m. And it pro- I probably didn't finish everything and get to eat till probably 2 p.m. Yeah, I right. know usually people have like a Thanksgiving dinner and things like that, but I was just trying to get everything done in the morning so that I could enjoy my evening because I, I can only imagine if I was doing this in the evening, I would be so stressed out. And you wouldn't have enough time to do it. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, I think it's a great experience to just go through it just to see, can I do it? And also what others probably go through when preparing for Thanksgiving. But again, you know, it's different when you're one person trying to do everything versus when you're just contributing to it. And I think that was a significant difference where I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, well, I've done this in the past. I've cooked something and I've brought it over to eat. But the difference here was, again, yeah, it's just try to prep everything and you have to time everything. Because you don't want one thing to be done too early or this or that. But overall, it's, it's an enriching experience. Now, what did you have on your Thanksgiving menu? So, it was, like I said, it was the turkey, the ham. I did corn on the cob. And I had a sweet, a mashed sweet potato. Okay. And for dessert, I made a sweet potato pie. It was like a bourbon-infused sweet potato pie. And eventually, I got to eating every little, little bit. <laughs> You know, I kind of I kind of separated it, right? And when I ate it, like I had mainly pieces of turkey and ham for lunch, you know, just to get myself through the day. And then it was really for dinner where I ate everything as a whole, right? Ate the mashed potatoes with the corn, with some turkey, with some ham, rested a little bit, and then had my sweet potato pie. Right, and I'm sure you have an abundance of leftovers now for yeah. post-Thanksgiving meals. Yeah, oh man, it's like trying to eat it for the last, I think it was like two days now. <laughs> <laughs> trying to mix it up, okay, I'll, I'll eat the turkey for lunch and I'll eat the ham for dinner. Right. Try to mix all that stuff up. And there's also just leftover ingredients that I need to finish up too, right? Mm-hmm. So I have like rosemary, thyme, parsley, have all that stuff, but I'm like, what am I going to make with this now? Because I have so much food, I don't want to make new food but i think right. after eating food the same food back to back you do want to cook something different eat that and then go back to it just because it just gets it does get very tiring eating the same thing over and over and over right now out of everything that you made for thanksgiving what was your favorite dish and then what do you find was the hardest dish to prepare i would say the favorite would be the dessert that uh, sweet potato pie that was infused with some bourbon. Uh, you don't right. you don't taste it too much, but you definitely know it's it's there. The most difficult definitely would have been the turkey, just because just from unpacking it to to drying it out, to getting the herbs on onto the turkey, then seasoning the inside of it and around it, and then getting that into the fridge, then pulling it back out, and then filling the turkey with just some additional flavor, as well as just monitoring it while it's cooking. Right, it's not something where you can just set it and forget it. Essentially, you need to start out at certain temperature, let it start its cooking, take it out, 
baste it, give it its new temperature, put it back in, and then monitor it around every 30 minutes or so. Make sure it's not burning or anything like that. You know, because the skin can get burned easily, or it could also dry out the turkey. So you just sort of monitor it and just make sure that it's browning nicely and everything like that. Thankfully for me, everything did go pretty smoothly in terms of monitoring it. I didn't really have to do anything outside of check it and then step away, check it again, step away. I didn't have to do any additional covering or anything like that. So Did you have to flip your turkey? No, I didn't flip the turkey. I actually read different articles about this and everything like that. They say, no, you don't have to flip it because some, they say, started out upside down. But then you'll see the ring marks on the platter that's holding it. Right. Uh, the rack that's holding it. That's what I was yeah. trying to think of. I couldn't think of the word. On the rack. And they say you really don't have to do it. And it does eventually brown itself because it's essentially baking itself, right? So it, it did get browner. I mean, initially, I, I was like, hey, it's not really getting the color. But then within that last, I'd say, 40 minutes or so, you start right. seeing that color build around it because you could sort of take a peek on the sides. And, you know, at the end of the day, it looked pretty good. Yeah, and I think it also depends on your oven. If you have like an older oven versus a newer oven, how yeah. efficient it is in yeah, cooking. Yeah, this had the convection and... ba- bake, uh, so that was pretty good. And okay. they say, you know, put it on a lower shelf, I think second from the bottom. That allows the top not to get too dry as well as not burnt. So just put it lower and that convection heat should be able to cook evenly. Right, because you see like those rotisseries, a lot of the rotisserie ovens, you have to have a turn so that it cooks and browns evenly yep. all around and you don't have like one end super burnt and the other side that has no color whatsoever. Yep, absolutely. Now, in the past, and we talked about this last year, you had a Friendsgiving where you prepared a turducken. Now, turducken versus an actual turkey, what do you think was more challenging to prepare and to deal with? Um, I'd say just the regular turkey. You know what? Because when you buy the turducken, everything's done for you already because they have to get all three birds together and it's essentially pre-flavored for you already. So they've already done all the work. When you're getting the turducken, all you're doing is taking it out of the refrigerator, letting it come you know, to temperature, cutting off the wrap that it comes in and you just throw it in the oven. And essentially you're not changing temperatures or anything like that. You're keeping it one consistent temperature and you're just letting it cook. Obviously, again, you still have to check on it, but that's just relatively simple. Well, this cutting is very simple too. You just cut it you know, right down the middle and it, it's easy. When you're doing a regular turkey, it's, it, there's a process of doing it, taking out the legs first, the wings, and then cutting it down the middle, getting the breast and the thighs. So it's definitely a lot more challenging doing the regular turkey. Right, and we've talked about this in the past, cutting versus carving. Right. Because you want to carve your turkey. You want to carve your ham. You don't want to yeah. cut it like a chicken where you start just chopping and yeah. you have chunks of, of meat. With turkey, you want it carved. And I think sometimes, and I think we said this in, in a past episode, when sometimes you go to the deli and they have the fresh turkey, that's been cut up in all sorts of different ways. And then they have tongs and they, right. you see that the meat's being clipped off as if it's pulled pork or something. Yeah. And that's not what you want. You want to have nice, thin slices of turkey. Not overly thin so that it's like deli meat, but you want something that's not also not like thick cut, like getting a ham steak or something like that. Right, exactly. Were there any Thanksgiving foods or sides that you would have prepared if it didn't require a lot of work or that you just didn't have time to prepare? Yeah, I mean, I, I originally wanted to do a mac and cheese, 
but that definitely takes a lot more time. Yeah, um, that's like a very popular dish, mac and it, cheese. It is, exactly. Um, and that's why I ended up going back to just the mashed sweet potato. I've done that in the past. It's not too involved. It's relatively simple. Not that mac and cheese is overly complex either. I've, I've done it before, but definitely that takes more time and care. Another pot and pan or pan to clean up and everything yeah. else like that with the cheese and everything. So that was just something I held back on and, you know, just kept the side simple just because I knew that getting the turkey in the ham would have been pretty challenging already. Yeah. When you talk about the bourbon-infused mashed sweet potatoes, it reminds me of Hill Country Barbecue because yeah. they have the bourbon-infused sweet mashed potatoes. Yep. And that that's really good. I think their mac and cheese was, was pretty good as well. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Think they're, they're, yeah, there are a lot of different places because they're also with mac and cheese. Some places they put breadcrumbs in order yep. to get it crispy on top, and others don't do that. They just kind of get it golden brown. And I prefer, I, I'm not a big fan of having breadcrumbs on top. I don't like that crunchiness to it. I just like the smooth, creamy mac and cheese. So whether you do it on the stove top or you bake it to get a nice little crust, that's usually what I prefer. Yeah, I mean, I think with any food, people tend to want, you know, that bit of crunch. But I think right. when you're going there, they give you bread anyway, so you can get that oh, crunch yeah. from, the, uh, from the crust of the bread. You remember that that time, the, the la most recent time we went was probably like uh, sometime last year, where yep. all of a sudden you get cornbread already, like two pieces of cornbread. And yeah. then on top of that, they give you slices of white bread to go with right. it. Right, exactly. So there's just so much in there. What about stuffing? What's your thoughts on, on stuffing? I've never really been a fan of, of stuffing. Some people love it. Some people don't. Yeah, I mean, same here. Not a fan of stuffing, really. I mean, nothing wrong with it. I've eaten it before, but it wasn't something that, you know, really enticed me to want to make it. I've read some recipes and I just looked at, looked at a few things online, but nothing really stood out to me in terms of, ooh, I want to make this. But like I said, yeah, I've eaten it in the past. And again, not, there's no wow factor for me when it comes to stuffing. I'm just fine with whatever I had in turkey, which mainly was like, onions, garlic, had some herbs in there, and some celery. And the celery gets a right. lot of flavor from when you, you cook the turkey. So that's really all I had in there. I didn't throw anything special in there. And you made your own homemade turkey gravy? Yeah. Yep. With all the, the drippings. And that, that's something so important is save those drippings because that's how you make your, your gravy. Yep, absolutely. It doesn't make a difference when eating the turkey. I mean, all in all, my turkey did stay moist. And it was good even without the gravy. But adding that just builds on, onto that flavor, you know, the overall flavor that the turkey was. Right. It kicks up the flavor a bit. It also gives it that extra infusion of moisture right. that you want. It's kind of the same with ham, saving those juices. Because if you have, like, brown sugar and pineapple and cloves on your ham, yep. all those flavors and those juices are at the bottom of the tray when that ham is done. And you want to save those juices because you can use that to reinfuse the flavor of the ham. Yeah, I mean, with the ham, that's what exactly what I used. But I also added uh, seeded Dijon mustard, which is mm -hmm. something I found in a recipe. And, you know, pretty good. It makes a Yeah, difference. it kicks it up yep, the flavor exactly. even to another level. Yep, definitely. That's good. Now, what did you think about the virtual gathering this year? Because that's really the way I think a lot of people did their Thanksgiving. Some people traveled. I think there were people who just they had to go see family had to go see friends because dealing with the pandemic for such a long period of time they just wanted to interact with people 
And then there are others who really, because of where we are right now with the pandemic, decided, okay, let's just take the safer approach and let's just do this virtual because we have the tools to do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's been no different from when we've done our birthday gatherings this year, the ritual ones. So I think all in all, it was good. I mean, it's still productive. Everyone got to catch up. And, you know, we were able to sort of come on and then drop off as we needed to just because of cooking and everything else like that. So I think overall that did work out. We were able to come on, talk for a bit, drop off, and then sort of come back on later on to to sort of talk about you know, post-cooking, post-cleanup, and everything else like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think overall it was pretty good. I mean, what did you think of this? I think it, it went well. I think the way we had it set up this year, where we just had an open window for the virtual video conferencing, that we could just decide what time we wanted to come together to chat, and then, like you said, drop off, do other things, and then come back on when we had time, especially in the cases where you're preparing food, that you have to focus on preparing your food, making sure that you're not overcooking anything and focusing on that and then coming back around and then when you have time to have a conversation. Yep. Yeah, I was like at a high stress level as I was rolling off that first one. I was like, yeah, I'm right. not going to. Originally, I think I was like, yeah, I'll be back around one thirty or so. And then I was just like, I was like, yeah, this is not going to happen. Juices are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> My stress level was at the, at the, the peak at that point. I'm like, okay. I don't want to talk right now because I'm probably just going to get very annoyed just talking and listening. So I was like, you know what? Let me just reset myself, clean up everything, reset, and then get back on. And then, of course, you know, for, on your side, you had the technical difficulty. Yeah, I had the technical issues <laughs> where, you, you like, know, for whatever reason, you know, you tell me that you're now on. I try to hop on to this, this Teams call we had, had scheduled, and all of a sudden, I can't get the mic to work. I can't get the video to work. For some reason the camera i didn't have access to the integrated webcam on the laptop it was going to an obs virtual camera for some reason and i'm thinking like what does obs have to do with this so i'm going into the obs settings i don't even have obs on why is this even a problem and i had to reboot the computer reboot the computer get the integrated camera to work and now the mic isn't working so it it was like 30 minutes of trying to troubleshoot on demand to get the laptop to work. And then finally I just switched over to the iPad until I had some time to work through all the settings to get it all fixed. And I think, like I said to you, that I had reformatted this laptop since the last time we've had a Teams call. And I haven't used it for Teams since. I've used the iPad. And because of that, I didn't test it again. And so the settings were all screwed up. So I had to go back in and tweak it. Now I think it's working properly. At one point in time, I did have, because Sony released their uh, Image Edge webcam software so you can use like your high-end Sony cameras, I had that driver installed as well. And initially, I thought maybe that was causing a problem, but then it was saying it was using the OBS virtual cam, which I wasn't using OBS at all. So for whatever reason, it was just not working. But after about 30 minutes, got it working, and I think we're all good, good again. Speaking of video conferencing software, what do you prefer? Because we use Teams because, you know, we have the the Teams licenses. Some people use Zoom. I've used Zoom before. There are some nice features, especially with the organization of the videos and of the participants. 
that are better than the way Teams is right now. FaceTime is how we're communicating right now. And I think FaceTime works when you have a handful of people. It doesn't have the, the same structure, I think, that Zoom has or Teams has. It doesn't have the same feature set, but they all do what they need to do. FaceTime, I think the downside is it only works with iOS. So if you're talking to someone who's not on iOS or using a Mac OS platform, then that's a problem. Then you have to go to either Teams or to Zoom. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Zoom stands out as the best one out there in terms of having that collaboration tool. It just has everything built in. It's very user-friendly. It has a good interface. And, you know, they, they've been improving it in terms of how you can have everyone displayed. But I feel Teams is that very corporate version of that collaboration tool. And that's why it just sort of falls short in general. So it's not the greatest when you're trying to join. Sometimes there are issues clicking the link or something. I think with Zoom, I've never really had an issue just clicking the link and it opens your browser, goes right in, and that's really it. So yeah, in general, it just has that feature set, has that user-friendly capability. Overall, simple UI versus Teams. I mean, like you said, for FaceTime, that, that has its limitations and that's not really built as that type of collaboration tool. Right. So yeah, I think Zoom has also just led it in everything. Teams is sort of following on that trail, you know, with backgrounds and things like that. I feel like they've just tried to add on to try to be a competitor for Zoom, where Zoom is, you know, really being the leader in that essentially. Yeah, I think Microsoft is building the three six five platform to be a very fully integrated system because Teams deals with the video conferencing but it also has the, the Slack capability built in there as well. So they view it as that all-in-one where if you're in the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, you have your office licenses, you have your exchange and email, you have cloud storage, you have video conferencing, you have phone and voice services available, you have the Slack collaborative tools that are available to you. So it's that whole single ecosystem. So you don't have to get Zoom for this, Slack for this, Microsoft for this, and all the different products. So I think they're, they're trying to make it into one integrated ecosystem. But in doing so, you have to make sure everything works and you tend to be a little bit slower in catching up with everything. Also, Teams, the video conferencing comes from Skype for Business. So it's pretty much a rebranding and integration into the 365 platform. Yeah, and I think Teams, just overall video quality does not seem to be as good as Zoom. When taking a look at it, you do see a lot more bugs here and there between audio, video, and that having all those issues there. So I think that's one of the reasons that, for me, you know, I'm not that crazy over using Teams. Right. As well as, you know, if you have someone who's not really in that O365 ecosystem, right, it just makes it more difficult, you know, with them coming in as a guest, they need to be allowed sure there's settings to change that but again i think that's where zoom is just that user-friendly process where all they need is that link they're coming in they don't need to be invited or you know this or that i just think it's very simple versus where teams makes it just a bit more complicated right and but, with teams it's all you have is a link pretty much it's not like you get a meeting id and a code so that if your link doesn't work you can manually key it in with zoom you have that meeting id you have that passcode and you can just key it in without having to worry about clicking on a link and whether or not something goes wrong with it, with that link. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Pros and cons with, with each platform, 
You yeah. know, we've been using Teams a lot for our family calls, and then we use FaceTime when we do the podcast. So I think it's definitely beneficial. The video and web conferencing has really grown in light of the pandemic that we do have these tools. We've always had these tools for a long time. I think it's just kind of expanded now that more people are away from each other that they have these tools and the technology to stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. So let's switch gears. Christmas is on the way. And the first thing I want to touch on is when is it okay to play Christmas music? And Light FM here in New York, they switched over to all Christmas music a couple of weeks ago. And you know, I think it's, it's always been fine to start Christmas music as early as you want. What are your thoughts on when Christmas music should be played? I'd say post-Thanksgiving, right? Right after Thanksgiving, that's really kicking off the holiday season. So I really think that's fine for that. I think this year, probably doing that even earlier is acceptable just because we need to see that light at the end of the tunnel, right? See that hope and just put that spirit into ourselves so that everyone just knows that, look, it may be bad, but things will get better. So I think just having that Christmas spirit or holiday spirit just in general, I don't see any issues with starting that earlier this year in general. Right. I I think that's exactly what most people need is to have that holiday spirit, that Christmas spirit kick in and take place a little bit earlier. And that kind of leads to the follow-up of when is it okay to decorate for the holidays? Because some people will say, oh, you shouldn't decorate until after Thanksgiving. Some people don't decorate until Christmas Eve. I usually do it on or about the same time that Light FM switches over to all Christmas music. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's similar to what I just said, right? Where normally I'd say that weekend of Thanksgiving, you do it, you know, you let Black Friday go by, maybe Saturday, Sunday, that's when you start doing the decorations like you say also with music playing you probably want to start putting up decorations get into the spirit while you're listening to that music right but again for this year i think it's different again for for myself i did it what maybe a week and a half before thanksgiving this year just because i knew it was going to be a busy weekend in general but also i just wanted to you know get into that spirit get into that cheer i mean there's been a lot that's going on this year and i think That's something we all need, and I think when you look at the decorations, it does make you feel happier, just in general. Yeah, I see your decorations right now while FaceTiming, and I saw the pictures that you sent me of the way you have your home decked out, and it really, I think you throw in some Christmas music, you have all the lights on, all the decorations up, and it kind of puts you into that positive mood for the holidays. Yeah, I mean, especially since I plan to be staying indoors for the most part, right, outside of going out for a few things. Right. So there's a lot of things that I won't be able to see. You know, one of the advantages of working in Midtown was that I'd see everything that's going on, all the stores putting up decorations, the park areas. I work close to Rockfall Center. So there's a lot of things that I won't be able to see actively. So I felt that just decking out my home would help with that experience and help remind me that, look, I might be missing that out, but why can't I just do that myself? Right, Exactly. And I think we touched on this some episodes ago as well, where when you were working in the office, not all offices are decked out for the holidays. When you know you're in in that season, you want to have that sense of the holidays wherever you are, especially if you're in the office for eight to 10 hours a day, you want that feeling. And it's kind of weird sometimes when you just you're in an office and it just literally just looks like the normal office 
during the holidays. No tree, no decorations, nothing. And it just kind of brings your whole level down a few notches. And then you go outside and you see the stores all decked out with their lights and holiday decorations. And then your spirits kind of come back up. So it's always kind of weird when you have that. And it is good to, to be able to do that. I mean, I've been, when I do go out to get groceries and things like that, I am looking around to see the different stores and the different shops and different businesses to see if they've decked out yet. And there are some places that have done that. Rockefeller Center, which we'll kind of touch on a little bit more, their Christmas, the Christmas tree came in a couple of weeks ago. There was some controversy yeah, over the tree because yep. it you know, looked kind of empty and, and hollow. Well, fitting for this year. Yeah, but if you look, I saw a more recent picture, and it looks like they've kind of brought it back together. Okay. So it went from the early part of the Charlie Brown tree to the end of a Charlie Brown Christmas when it looks more like a a Christmas tree. And, you know, sometimes I think that, oh, yeah, the branches that fell off with the leaves, they just find a way to get them back onto the tree, mount it back on so that they have the look of the tree. I don't know how they actually do it, but they do something. So that when it's on camera and when you go there, it looks like a stand-up Christmas tree. Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting to hear, I guess, the backstory to it this year because you know every year they give like the backstory of where the tree came from and right. everything. So it'd be interesting to see why they picked this one. Yeah. Well, um, it was interesting because I, I did see it. I did see pictures of the tree when they were cutting it down, and it looked perfectly good. It looked like a really good tree. It was only when they okay. when it arrived at Rockefeller Center and they got it off the the big truck and started putting it up that all of a sudden it's like, well, where's the bottom of the tree? It's like the right. huge gaps in it. So gotcha. Maybe I guess something we'll happened see. all the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wednesday is the tree lighting, or by the time this airs, this past Wednesday was the tree lighting, and we'll see w- what it looks like at that point in time. I'm sure they have it nicely structured so that it, it looks good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to hear if they address that bit because obviously it did make its way around media. So it would be interesting to see if they add that as part of their video package that they do yeah so something else going back to christmas trees is this fiber optic tree that you sent over to me which is something we saw last year i believe when we were going to one of the stores i mean i think we've seen it for a couple of years right not just last year but i think we've seen it a couple years past as well but yeah continue with your story yeah so it's a really cool tree it's i think like an 18 inch tree that's fiber optic but it's not like a simple fiber optic tree. They have a little star on top that lights up with LEDs. They have little miniature stars on it as well. So it's not just the tips of the branches of the tree that light up. It's pretty much decked out so it looks really cool. And it runs on batteries or you can plug it in and they give you a USB cable and a little power adapter to plug in. And it's really nice. And I remember last year we were going into like this discount store to look at decorations and we saw the tree on display. But then we couldn't find the tree anywhere in the store. And so this year when you sent me a picture of it, I knew immediately which tree that was. And then you told me that you were going to send one over to me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I saw it, I, I wasn't even looking for the tree. It was really that I was looking at other decorations and I was walking by. And I, t- I told you the story where the only reason I ended up finding it was that people were crowded in the different aisles. So I couldn't get to where I needed to get to. So I just happened to get into one aisle. And there I even got stuck because there was someone just standing there. So I couldn't exit out. And I was like, okay, let me just look around in this aisle, see what it is. And I see the Christmas trees in the box. 
right? Again, they, they weren't showing. They didn't have anything on display where I was, but they just had the box there. Uh, well, the boxes. I think there were probably like six of them. So, ooh, what's this? So I take it down, look at it. I was like, hey, this looks like those uh, fiber optic trees that we've been looking at in the past. That are really cool, small, and you can really put it anywhere. I was like, all right, let me let me grab it, put it in my basket, because the person started moving. So I was like, all right. So walked around the store, took a look at it a bit more. I'm like, let me get two. Let me let me send one over over to to David because this is actually pretty cool. We've been talking about it. And I'm pretty sure you won't be able to find it in your area because we've been down there before and we yeah, haven't it's seen, very hard to seen find it at those. all. So I was like, yeah, let me buy two. So I bought two. And luckily, I brought a big enough bag. And with no plastic bags now, you have to make sure you have the proper bag. Though the lady did offer me a bag because I think she felt right. bad because I bought a lot of stuff. But I think even with that bag, I would have just been dangling everything all over the place. So luckily, the bag I had fit it. And then brought it home. I didn't realize that it could run off battery or be plugged in, you know, via USB. Because, again, I was like, I read it. I read it quickly just because I wanted to get in and out of there. It was starting to get crowded. So I was like, you know what? Let me just get it. I was going to get it anyway. And then that's when I sent you the picture. I wanted to take it out. I said, you have this one coming your way as well. And then what's funny is that I went to another store probably a week later, and I saw the same thing. But I don't get why they hide this stuff away. Again, yeah, I don't like get that. First place, it was hidden away. Second place, this was at like the back corner of that store. They didn't have a display at all for it, so I didn't even think they had it. And I saw hey, this, this box was familiar. I'm like, oh, there it is. But at the first store where I actually bought it, they did have that tree on display, but in a completely different aisle. And they didn't even have that tree there. So it just made no sense to me why they hide these away because you'd think, well, people want to buy these. I would, I would assume. I mean, it's small, runs on battery, or be plugged in. Why not? I mean, it wasn't expensive or anything like that so i don't know why they, they chose to just hide it away but hey I'm, I'm just glad i found it and i think following that i started when i went to different stores i would walk the whole store to yeah. see, ooh, what, what else is hidden here and there are some stores that yeah they, they they put all the nice stuff in the back and all the i don't want to say not nice but they have a lot of stuff in the front but you don't think to go to the back you walk to the back, and there, there, there's a lot more stuff. Uh, so it's, it, it's pretty funny. When I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it. Yeah, the only philosophy I can think of or the reasoning for that is the stuff in the front is the stuff they're trying to really sell because they can't sell that stuff. Like the right. tree will sell out instantly, but yeah. all the other stuff won't. So if someone sees the tree first, they might say, I'll get the tree and forget about all the other stuff. <laughs> this way, yep. if I want to find any of the really nice stuff, I have to go all the way through the store. In that process, I can pick up some of this other stuff that doesn't normally sell as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But I would think all those other things are, you know, maybe like the 199 things or 299 right. things. You know, you probably want to make a good sale off of the trees. So, yeah, it's definitely, I don't know, whatever it was, um, I'm just glad I found it. Yeah, it's definitely been harder to find decorations this year. Like I said previously, every year I go and I look for certain new decorations. And every year it's been getting harder. For like tinsel, I like getting the tinsel that is white and kind of reminds you of snow when you look at it. Rather than getting silver or red or green or any other color, I want to get the white tinsel. But that's been hard to find. So I actually this year had to order it from Amazon. And then I actually found something similar to it at Target. But then other things like glass ornaments, I normally get the small ornaments because I, was, I have small trees that I put up. And not everywhere has small ornaments. Years ago, I used to go to Macy's to get the small miniature ornaments, like 40 millimeter, 50 millimeter, 
ornaments and now it's just like a variety of different places i've gone to target i've gone to kmart i've gone to century and then there are certain stores like kmart for example in the city the only one that's there now is the one on astor place and they don't have as much stuff as the one that used to be on 34th street century 21 they're going out of business so can't get anything there i went a few weeks ago and they're really just in out-of-business mode right now, so they don't have any new stock. Target has been a pretty good place to go to find stuff because they do have nice ornaments. They do have some really nice decorations that don't cost a lot, so it's been nice to, to go there. And then you can go to, like, discount stores. Like, I do go to a few discount stores to see what I can find. I used to be able to find these small, like, 8-inch tinsel base Christmas wreaths, which are nice to put up for, like, a season. Haven't been able to find them over the last few years but every year try to find some new things this year i also upgraded most of the lights to led and you had sent me a couple of tree toppers for small christmas trees that are led so i've been using those they're energy efficient they're a lot brighter they run really cool and it's just nice they cost a little bit more money to get but they work pretty well so i've been trying to slowly upgrade all that stuff so that you can have more it looks nice but it's not going to, to run up the electric bill and cause other problems. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I guess to touch on tinsel, I think the problem with tinsel is it ends up, a lot of places end up having like the very thin yeah. tinsel. It's not, uh, I guess, it's fluffy. either Yeah, it's either the really thin or the very thick type yeah. foil type, right. like really yeah. thick foil type tinsel. Yeah, and it just makes it very difficult to go with lights and things like that. It might work on its own. But trying to put that with the lights, it kind of takes away from being able to see it. But I guess yeah. with LEDs, it probably will work better. But still, I think there's a certain consistency that you, that you want with them. Um, yeah, so I mean, I like the, the tinsel that I got from Amazon. It's not as thick as what I've gotten in the past, but it's still thicker than like the cheap stuff. Yep. So I do like this tinsel and, it, and it's iridescent. So it has that little shimmer when the lights shine off it, of it and yeah. it looks really nice. So it has that snow feeling but at the same time not too thick it doesn't cover up the lights you don't have to push the bulbs through and around the tinsel in order for you to see the lights but it comes out really well so i think it it did turn out a lot better than than expected i was a little concerned because i was reading the reviews for one batch of tinsel people said that it had a weird smell to it and it's like i don't want that tinsel and this <laughs> tinsel actually came out pretty well some people did say it was a little thin for them and it like i said it's not as thick as what i used to get over at Kmart. Even the stuff that I found at Target was thicker, but you know, this comes in in large lengths, so it's like 50 feet at a time. Yeah. So what's yeah. good about having longer length tinsel is you can just measure it out to how much you need and then cut it, cut measure it. it out, cut yeah. it. With the Versus 15 them. Yeah, with the 15 feet or last year I think there wasn't even 15 feet, it was 12 feet. It's like attaching four pieces of of tinsel yep. with uh, cable ties in order to get it up to where you need it to and that's like really annoying where this year it's like just get it up really quickly by okay i have it up cut done put it up yep. cut done and move very quickly in that process so i like that and that kind of leads into my next topic which is decorating strategies what's your strategy for decorating is it very random or is it very targeted very specific what you want to work on first it's i think it's a little bit of both Right. I'll, I'll look at the walls and sort of figure out what do I want there. 
and it can just start out with one thing but then that so that one random item will change into what's a strategy right essentially what matches with that what goes with that and then once i have that it's how do i make it better how do i make it stand out um and one of the first things that i showed you was i bought this it was like a fireplace and it's a it's a sheet essentially it's a very thin sheet uh with a picture of a fireplace that's decked out with bows and everything like that right so what i did was i took that sheet i put it up on the wall you know just use two-sided tape just put it up there i wasn't happy with it you know i i liked it yeah it looks nice but i wasn't happy with it so i was like what can i do to make this better so see the fireplace well, they, they have flames there. Wouldn't it be cool if I could make it look like a real fireplace? So, of course, I, I had texted you. I'm like, what type of lights should I get for this? Right. Would you call them? Were they tea lights or something the, like that? The fairy lights. what they are. Yeah, fairy lights. So I, I looked around at the different ones. I like, all right, let me, let me get these. And I got, and, and I guess it's held by more like a metallic, some sort of metal. So mm-hmm. that you could sort of bend it, it's, and yeah, shape it's a it bendable and like wire, and right. the bulbs the are like really tiny. Attached to it, yeah. right? Because some people, what they do with the fairy lights is they just put it in like a clear vase, yes. and then light it. Which I don't really understand. It. I mean, it looks nice if you do it right, but I don't understand yeah. what exactly that's supposed to to do. Maybe it's like I th- accent I think, lighting I for think a room. For, yeah, I think for an event, those are great. Yeah, like if instead you had of a candle, twenty bottles like that, yeah. that would be great. And What's nice about this one is that there's remote control and you could change how the light flickers or does that. So I added that in there, essentially just taped the battery pack onto the wall behind, uh, behind the cloth and it looks like flames. Then I said, all right, well, I'm liking this, but I'm not happy yet. So I said, well, what if I add real lighting on there? So I had gone to CVS and I had a coupon and, you know, I'm big on like the CVS coupons yeah. and the... Everything else yeah. like that with the extra care card. And they had these bell lights. So it looks like a bell, makes a sound, the jingle, and it, it, it's lightable. So I, add, I bought two of those, put that on there. Said, all right, it's almost there. And then finally I was like, you know what? What it's missing is tinsel. So I had a tinsel on that one now. So essentially you just have what was originally just that sheet. But now it's lit up. You know, the fireplace is lit up. Around the fireplace, you have some decorations and lights as well with the tinsel. So I was finally happy with that. And, you know, that's just one wall, but that that was just like how it progresses, right? You, I just bought one random thing that I found on Amazon because I was looking for something. I said, ooh, this looks cool. Bought, bought that, and then it became a strategy of how do I improve on this? Yeah, I mean, when you sent me the picture of that hanging on the wall, it literally looked like, a piece of cloth, really nice, with the fireplace all decked out with like stockings, the fire. Were there was was there tinsel already and lights around the original fireplace? I can't remember. There there are lights. It's not tinsel, but they had I think it's like flowers or something, flowers, pine cones, things like that to sort of decorate around that fireplace. And then you get a glimpse of of a side of a Christmas tree. Right. Yeah. So when you showed me that. If it was a little bit lower, because you have it hang a little bit higher up, so you know yeah. it's not like a, you know where a real fireplace would be positioned. If you had it toward the ground, I would think from 
looking at the picture and the video that that was a real fireplace. But to take it to the next level of adding fairy lights behind it to light up the flame of the fireplace, to add tinsel around the arch of the fireplace and to add lighting, that just really brings it out to the next level so that, sure, it looks different if you're probably standing in front of it. But to look at it on camera from a video or from a picture, it really looks amazing to see that. And it really brings that feeling in, especially when you look at the rest of your room, how you have it decked out with the tinsel and the garland and the signage and the tree. And you even have like this high table, like this bar table, uh, standing table with like the 18-inch the tree on top and lights coming down the leg of the tree. Yeah, uh, so what's funny was that when I, when I had bought those lights, it's the same lighting that I used for the fireplace, but they get, you know, it was part of a set, so right. you get two of them. So I said, well, okay, maybe I have a backup if it burns out, but then I, it was just sitting there. It's like, I need to do something with this. Right. So with that same bar table, essentially it's a, it's a high table with a round top, and there's, there's a pole in the middle of it. So what I did was I unhooked the whole lighting, which took some time because of the, that metal wiring yeah. and it kind of gets caught with each other. So you have to be very careful you don't break it. Finally, when I got that, then I just wrapped it around that leg, essentially. And now with the remote, you just turn it on. So it looks like for the bottom, you know, you get a shimmering, flickering a table bottom right. with the tree on top. And that, that just adds to it. And again, this is, these are the little things that I looked around. It's like, what can I do? Or where is it that I can put this? And I had different ideas on where to put it and things like that. By the end of the day, it was like, again, it's thinking about it long and hard. And then finally putting it there. It's like, does it look good? And it, it turned out well. Yeah, definitely. Like when it's nighttime and you have all those lights on, it literally feels like walking into a holiday event. You know, like a, a holiday gathering where everything's Think decked the out. the Macy's Holiday Lane, I guess. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But even more extravagant. I'm thinking of going to like a restaurant or something where people hold their holiday parties normally right. and just walking in there and having everything decked out so that this truly is like a holiday event. So you have the standing table where people can just chat. You have your TV on and over that is all decked out. And the entire room is just decked out in the holiday feeling. And then now imagine having Christmas music playing that that really makes you feel like you're in the holiday spirit, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. I've not lit everything during the evenings. I mean, especially the, the battery operator, <laughs> just because I don't want yeah. to kill all my batteries. Um, oh, I know I that for some sure. Of it. <laughs> yeah, I do light some of it. And, you know, at night it does get annoying because I unplug everything. But the newest stuff that have the remote, yeah. that's what I love about them. The remote, I could just have the remote lined up and just like turn everything off without having to unplug everything. Yeah, so exactly. I think I think next year I might start looking at more lights that have remotes. I know you could buy the timer switches and yeah. things like that, but... I don't think I'm there yet. I'll probably do that for next year just because I already spent all the time and effort for everything else. I, I think I'll, I'm good for this year. But definitely next year, because of that ease, I'll probably be looking at ways to automate things a bit more. Yeah, I mean, there are more things that I am glad that there are more battery-operated lights now that are not like DNC-sized battery packs. Because when I go to Home Depot, I still see like these huge battery packs with some of the battery-operated lights that say like D or C batteries. And then meanwhile... You go to Amazon or you go to other places and they like three AA batteries and you're good to go. And I'm fine with that because I have the 18-inch tree, a different 18-inch traditional Christmas tree, a pine tree. 
and every year I put lights on it and every year it gets a little bit better. When it started off, I think I had a small set of like 10 or 15 lights on it and that expanded to like two sets of 15, so it was like 30 lights, then 50 rice lights. And now I have 50 mini lights, LED that are battery operated and are eight function, so I can change the function on them. And then it gets the, the tinsel, it has a treetop or it has ornaments, it has a velvet bow. And every year it gets a little better. And I'm glad that there are battery operated lights now because it's in a place where there's no outlet to plug it in. So it's convenient to have that. And you can also put other lights, like mini lights around your home in places where you can't plug them in all the time, where you don't have the ability to plug it in. So that is nice. But talk about that 18 inch tree, that fiber optic tree, that is a battery hog because it has so, it's so beautiful when, when it has a fresh set of batteries. It's also so super bright that you can't stare at it directly. It's like staring at the sun. But when it starts to drain out those batteries, and I sent you some, some video of it, it goes from all the different colors now to just green and red, and it just slowly dims away. And so in that case, you, you have to change out the batteries. So that is a battery hog. I see why they included an AC adapter to go with it. But again, it's in a position where I don't really have a place to plug it, so it uses batteries. Right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Touching on batteries, you know, outside of a 9-volt battery, I can never understand what's with D batteries, C batteries, AA, AAA. Yeah, because the voltage yeah, is exactly the, the same. <laughs> yeah. So there's, exactly. almost no, there's almost no need outside of the fact that, oh, we made a flashlight. We can't have two right. AA batteries in there because we made the cylinder too large. So we need a D battery or we need C batteries or like toys. Yeah, instead of the AA batteries, we decided to give you remote C batteries instead. It's the same 1.5 volts. Exactly. It's just that we made the compartment so big that we need C or D size batteries to sell. Yep. But then I think it was, well, this is probably a lot of years now where they create the converter. Yeah, the little so adapter. A double A could become a C or a D battery. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. But there's like, no why? need for it. Why do we yeah. still need, why can't we have a universal battery? I also have like a 9 volt battery. I understand that. Yeah. But even then, wh why is that one rectangular? <laughs> yeah. There's almost, see, a 9 I'm sure volt. There's a logic yeah, to exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. It just I mean, bothers me. When it comes to, Double A, triple A, C, and Ds, they're all 1.5 yep. volts, so you could replace right. them all with either a triple A or a double A that size. Right. And not Why have not to worry just about make it, it the triple A? Why yeah. not make the triple A, which is the smallest one, you know, so it could, it could just run on that? Yeah. I, I don't get it. it. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. The 9 volt, yeah, I mean, the 9 volt could have been a D size battery, but a D size battery is bigger than a 9 volt. A C size battery is technically bigger than a 9 volt. Yeah. But the 9 volt has a completely different connector. So that's a whole right. other thing. I think the only thing I have that's a 9-volt, because they used to use them in smoke detectors, and smoke detectors are now primarily like AA batteries, or they have a built-in right. battery now that's lithium yep. that lasts for like 10 years. But I think the only thing I have here that still uses a 9-volt is I have one of those infrared thermometers for like measuring like air conditioning and heating. So that, I think, uses a 9-volt battery. That's the only thing right. I have that uses a 9-volt now. Yep. So, so it, yeah. When yeah, you brought up the whole battery thing, it just bothers me so much. Yeah, that that there are the different battery sizes. Well, even when you get to like the little watch batteries, you have the yeah. like the the seventy six, and then you have the twenty thirty two, twenty twenty five, twenty sixteen. They look virtually the yeah. same. It's a little flatter. It's like why can't you just make buy one? the right one? Because if you buy the wrong one, it won't work. Yeah, but I think the twenty sixteen, twenty twenty five, twenty thirty two. I think those are virtually the same voltage as well. So it's like we could have just made one. I, I'm not sure about those or they just I, call I them think. watch batteries <laughs> yeah but it's like you could just make like one one standardized battery so that you wouldn't need to have yep. dozens of different batteries and then those batteries You're, cost a fortune to buy 
one battery is like three to five dollars to to buy yeah, one of those. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Remember those uh, back long time ago, probably like fifteen twenty years ago, maybe more towards twenty years ago. The the little keychain. Yeah. That made all the different noises when you press the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that one was like it. It was great until those batteries died. Yep. And then you didn't want to pay five bucks for for another set of batteries. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That that was the problem. Or having like a Walkman or anything like that. Everything was always batteries, and that's what you needed. You yep. needed batteries. And then rechargeable batteries came out. But then after a certain number of charges, they don't charge anymore. And they also, yep. I think, they also never held the same amount of voltage in a regular set of batteries either. And then now you have like Energizer has the lithium AA batteries and AAA batteries, which are lightweight because they're lithium batteries, but then they don't work in everything because I've had them where I have like the little Brookstone lamp, yeah. the emergency lamp, and I think one time I put them in there and it wouldn't light properly. So there's something with the lithiums that don't always work in every device, but they work in most devices. So, okay. But they're also expensive. I think a pack, like a 10 or 12 pack is like sixteen ninety nine or seventeen ninety nine, whereas you can get like a 24 pack for something like that of regular AA batteries. And then you have all the ones like each brand has like their different class of AA batteries. So you have the alkaline and then you have like the, the next level, next level, and they all cost more money. But yep. they last like the same amount of time. I don't really notice a huge difference with them. So it's kind of silly. Oh, definitely. All right. So we talked about decorating strategies. You know, I've been watching or been hunting for a lot of the old Christmas classics. And I've like mentioned a couple to you. A couple of years ago on YouTube, someone put up Perry Como's Christmas in New York. And then I recently found Bing Crosby and the Sounds of Christmas. And there's something about those classics and also like the classic Christmas songs that really get into the spirit versus sometimes even the new renditions. There are some new renditions that do the same thing, but there are also a lot of them where it's not that same feeling. Like if you put on a Bing Crosby or Perry Como or Johnny Mathis or Andy Williams Christmas song, there's a different feeling than if you do one from a current artist doing their rendition. What do you like more? Do you like those classics or do you like the new versions? Is it a mix and match? Yeah, I think it's a mix and match, right? Um, I don't think you could ever really beat the classics. There's a reason they're called classics, right? Just because they're that good and they're that memorable. But I think a lot of the current music, it might be a bit overproduced. And there's just too much to that, right? That it loses that, that essence. Those classics have very simple, innocent versions of the songs. And then it just becomes an overproduced version with just a lot more music or everything added to it, which kind of takes away from that. But that's not to say, again, all new ones are like that, right? There no. is a mix of new ones that are good, and it's, it's good to have that mix because, you know, you can only listen to to the same classic so many times, especially if you're listening to it over the course of a month and a half, right, or so. You want that mix, but I think that's really where, where my stance is, where I think I do like a lot of the classics, and I do like some of the new ones, but... If I had a choice of listening to it, I'd probably listen more to the classics, yeah. especially when it comes to putting up decorations and just having that feeling, I guess, Christmas morning where you just want those classics there. Yeah. I mean, what I will say is that certain artists have done a pretty good job, like Indina Menzel, her Christmas album, pretty good. Faith Hill, Amy Grant, Neil Diamond, Leah Michelle, Linda Etter, Martina McBride, and Michael Bublé. Just a few of them. Yep. Their albums really try to capture a lot of the essence of Christmas. It's not overdone. Yep. You try to just keep that feeling. So if you walked into a room that was all decked out for the holidays, 
you have that feeling of going back into the old days. And I think that's why I like watching those Christmas classic specials, those TV specials like Perry Como, Bing Crosby, is that when you watch them, it's not about special effects. It's not about overdoing things. It's simple as putting up a few Christmas trees, a few basic decorations, and just bringing that, the vocals in and the music and just the, the sensation. So if you were to watch and someone put it up on YouTube... It's not a very good version, but Bing Crosby and the Sounds of Christmas from 1971. And I wish that the networks would pull these out of the archives and put them on TV so you could watch them. But you watch something like Bing Crosby and the Sounds of Christmas, and immediately that that starting number, Sounds of Christmas, just gets you into that mood. Same with like Perry Como Christmas in New York, that feeling of a very traditional, very classic-like Christmas nothing overly extravagant it's not like watching a hallmark movie or you know something like that it's just something that's very real even though it's something put together and scripted it's still something that gives you that feeling of just being at home and being with family and and being with friends and just connecting to celebrate the holidays same with watching classics like miracle on 34th street the 1947 version which is you know, not the 1991 version. White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. Charlie Brown Christmas. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, the animation. Frosty the Snowman. Just watching those classics, it's just that feeling that is very different that gets you into that mood for the season. At least that's what I think and the way I feel. Yeah, yeah, no, um, similar. And I think there have been some artists who try to, who have tried to create Christmas specials. And again, I feel at times it may be overproduced, right? Now right. They, they focus on dancing numbers and all that versus the the ones that you just talked about for the classics where it's as simple as them focusing on the vocals. Right. Just walking through their Christmas setup, just walking through the, you know, like the fake snow, yeah. the, the trees and stuff like that. And that's all they're doing, right? They're just walking back and forth. But there's just something about it that just brings in that Christmas spirit versus a... You know, I don't need to see a whole dance number and everything to be impressed. Right, and no flashy, um, no, no, like, yeah. super glittery outfits. It's just, right. you know, granted, like, Bing Crosby. Right? Yeah, I mean, some of them are. Old school. And some, classics, some, are, so in, some, and some are in color. But you look at, with Bing Crosby and the Sounds of Christmas, he's dressed up, you know, in his tuxedo. And you have Robert Goulet. And you yeah. have uh, Mary Costa. And it's, it's not anything. There's a certain elegance to it, but it's a classic elegance. It's not like, oh, glittery clothes and anything fancy like that. And even though the stage is set up so differently than what we would be used to nowadays, it's like just walking up on that stage and being there to watch that show is so different than watching any Christmas special that you might see nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, nothing wrong with the whole, all the dance numbers and and glittery clothes and stuff like that. That stuff is fun to watch too, but it just, if, if you're talking about, you know, bringing in that holiday feeling... I don't think it's there. I think, yeah, it's a great production, but does it get me into the spirit? Not so much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the last thing I'm going to touch on today is the fact that we decided when the pandemic started, whether we're celebrating birthdays or Christmas or any of the holidays, that the thing we're not going to do this year was we weren't going to do any gifting. I want to get your thoughts on what that means. And we've kind of touched on this over the years that you know as you grow older gifting becomes something that you put in the back of your mind because you can get whatever you want whenever you need it so it's 
not like you want people to go out and have to spend money over the holidays. And we talked about this on Thanksgiving, that it takes a burden off of you this year by not doing it. It's less stressful. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so definitely, like I had said, it, it is less stressful because you're not worrying about trying to come up with things that you might want, then try to figure out who's buying what, wrapping it, how are we going to get them over there, and everything, right? And but, spending money. Well, I mean, the spending money part, I don't think that's a big deal. I think whenever we've done this, it sort of comes back to you anyway, in a sense. There, the there's a certain spending. level of being conservative in terms of the spending. Right. I, th- exactly. I think it's just the idea of not having, especially in this climate, yep. when there's so much uncertainty, not spending unnecessarily if you don't have to. Because right. we've said this a lot of times where usually we are conservative in terms of how we do gifting so that you're not getting people things that they don't need. You try to focus on the things that you actually need and not on yep. things that you just want. But the fact that because there's so much uncertainty right now, you know, you look at the jobless reports and the number of people losing their jobs and businesses going out of business and this and that. If there was one time a year that you don't want to be spending a lot on, this is kind of that time right now because you don't know what what's going to come in three months, six months, things like that. So you want to kind of use that as an opportunity to to save up if you need to. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole gifting piece is just part of that natural tradition. Right. right? For birthdays, you know, you get a gift. Christmas, you open up a gift. So I think it was just pulling from tradition. And that's just how things always ended up being. Now, where things end up afterwards, I mean, that's a good question, right? Maybe we'll have to rethink how we do it. You know, I don't think we should get rid of it completely, but maybe we just need to reimagine it and just figure out what we want to do going you know, forward with this. And I know we, we all tend to go a little crazy on Christmas where you buy, you know, multiple gifts for the other person, things like that. Maybe it's time to sort of pull back on that maybe a little. Be even more conservative in, in the right. reimagining of how we do it going right. forward. Exactly. Which I think makes sense. It definitely takes the stress out because you aren't worried about doing the shopping. I mean, generally, I don't mind doing some level of shopping, but sometimes the fact of, you know, you have to get this on your list of things to do done before a certain time, especially if you have to order something that's not available in store. And then dealing with deliveries, because if you live in a building where you don't have a doorbell, you don't have anyone in the lobby, you can't receive packages, then you have to worry about the carriers not delivering the packages. So that becomes a problem. That becomes a challenge. And then also making sure things arrive on time, making sure that everyone didn't buy the same things and coordinating that. And during the holidays, there's just so much going on. And it's nice to just be able to enjoy the holidays for the holidays and not have to focus on the commercial side, which kind of leads me to like a Charlie Brown Christmas. Christmas is very commercialized because that's what we get into the habit of doing, shopping and gifts. And granted, that's also part of the overall circle of the economy. Because if people don't buy things, then businesses don't make money. And then they can't, in essence, feed into that same economy. So it's a little bit of a challenge as well. But I think we have still contributed by decking out our homes excessively with decorations too. Yeah, I mean, not just that, right? I mean, I think we've we've had to change the way that we live just because now you're at home more. So you'll probably buy more things right. for the home. Or you know, talking to friends or coworkers where they say, hey, you know, I've had to do housework that I wouldn't have done had it not been this. Yeah. It's things that you just leave on the side because you're just like, 
I'll get to it when I have time. Now it's sort of like, well, you have exactly. Time. Where, where else are you going um, right now? Because you don't want to travel. You right. don't want to, you know, be out and about all the time in the same manner. So it's a good thing to reinvest that time and energy and those resources into things that you didn't have a chance to do before. Right. Exactly. So, but to do that, you have to spend anyway, right? Yeah. Like if you're repairing your home, you have to buy the stuff to repair your home with. I think we're spending in different ways, but at the end of the day, you're still spending. Yeah, definitely. I definitely see that I am saving a little bit more this year than I would be in previous years by not spending in other areas. But I think in terms of essentials, keeping a certain amount of stock available because I'm not going out as frequently. Whereas maybe I was going out six out of seven days a week, I'm going out one or two days a week at most. So I'm not spending as much, but I also want to stock up on essentials in the event that, you know, we head into another period where things aren't great and businesses and stores are shut down again or there are restrictions in place again, which it looks like that's a possibility. Over the last couple of days in New York, numbers have really gone up and it is concerning. Uh, one report was talking about how the numbers in terms of the people getting tested and having a positive test for COVID, that number was close to where the high was back in like April. That's definitely not good. And now we're going to come back from the Thanksgiving holiday where a lot of people traveled. And so if they get tested or they come down with symptoms and they get tested, that that may also push that number up as well. So it's something that you do keep in the back of your mind, even though we're starting to wrap up this year that many people would like to see end faster. It's still, even when 2020 ends, it doesn't mean it's the end of the pandemic. We're still going to have a period going into 2021. You know, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but it could very well go into most of 2021, where even if restrictions ease and vaccines are available and people get the inoculations and so forth, that may not necessarily mean that it's business as usual like it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, definitely things will change, right? I think with everything that's changed already... You know, some things may go back to normal, but not everything. So I think definitely mentality, people will think differently on a lot of things. But yeah, I mean, just because there eventually will be that vaccine out and everything, yeah, everything's not just going to go back to normal a month later. It's going to take time before things get to normal. And that may take all of next year just before it gets to a certain level of normal that we would want and hope for. Right. No, Absolutely. So let me wrap this up with one final thing, because I think we need to touch on this. And we kind of talked about shopping and being conservative this year, but Black Friday, Cyber Monday, anything that you're seeing that's out there that might be of interest to you that you might go out and buy or any sales that you're eager to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, there's never anything for me, I guess, that's significant. One thing that I did go ahead and buy the new one for is the Roku. Okay. So I, I did buy that uh, that's good. over the... The weekend, not on Black Friday. I think I bought it yesterday, actually. Yeah, it's right now. It's they, like they, they think it's going through. Yeah, Roku has yeah. like this huge sale right now. So if you get like the the Ultra, the 2020 edition, it's like thirty dollars yep. off. So sixty nine ninety nine, something like that. Right. So that's essentially what I got. I have the Roku three since the last time we talked. Right. I wasn't sure which one we had that I had, and that's actually the one that I have. So you know, it, it's getting a bit slower to respond. So I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and buy that. I did upgrade my other streaming devices over the past year or so, so might as well upgrade that one as well. Yeah, definitely it's something to take advantage of. I mean, like we said, you want to be conservative to some extent, but at the same time, this is also an opportunity to feed into the economy a bit and also take advantage of some of the deals that are available if you can find something. 
I mean, I went up every year for the last few years, I would go up to Home Depot because on Black Friday, they would have the six inch poinsettias or what they call the number six poinsettias for 99 cents. And it's usually $4.99. $4.99 is not very expensive. 99 cents is even better. This year, they did not have the poinsettia for 99 cents. They had it four for $5 or $1.25 each, which was still fine. It was just kind of, I, I felt that they weren't going to do it this year because of the pandemic. I don't know if that's the reason for it, but I didn't see like any advertising for it, which usually every year in their Black Friday ad, they would put that up. And so when I went up to Home Depot this year, I didn't notice, okay, they didn't have it for 99 cents, but $1.25, it's still pretty good. Get a nice poinsettia for the holidays. So I think that's really the only deal I took advantage of. I've had some like miscellaneous things that I've had to order as well, but nothing that fits into a Black Friday or Cyber Monday deal. Apple, I was looking to see if they had anything. They usually have gift cards that you get if you make a qualifying purchase, but none of the new stuff that you would want to get qualifies for the gift cards. It's like the iPhone 11. It's the older iPads. It's the older MacBooks. It's things like that. So it's none of the new stuff. I did, funny story, I did go to the Apple store on Friday or Saturday. Yeah, Friday. I went to the Apple store on Friday. And I had to do a pickup because touching back into a few episodes ago, we were talking about the Apple Solo Loop. And when I was getting the Apple Watch, I was debating between the Solo Loop and getting the adjustable Nike Sport Band instead, which is just a Velcro strap on it. And I ended up going with the Solo Loop because it's a one-piece. Using it for the past month, you get to a point sometimes where you just want to be able to adjust the band, and you can't do it with the Solo Loop. So I finally decided, okay, I'm just going to get, I'm going to get the adjustable band instead. And so I did the pickup in store. We were talking about this a few episodes ago where we were down at the World Trade Center location. I went to the Soho one to try to understand how to get into the store. And what you have to do is you order online, and when you choose pickup, you get a list of 15-minute windows to choose from. You should show up between that 15-minute window so that you can get in and have, like, your dedicated space to pick up your products. So I did that. And when you go there, you show them pretty much your pickup order. They show you the sign that shows you the protocols they have due to COVID. They take your temperature, and then you go in. And it's almost like each guest is set up at a different table so that you're completely isolated from everyone else. There's proper social distancing. Everyone's wearing a mask. And then they scan your pickup order or they scan the barcode in the email, bring it out to you. It's pretty much contactless because they're not making any physical contact with you. It's only the product that they make contact with. They check your ID, make sure you are who you say you are. You pick up your goods and you leave. And I actually had a good chat with the person, the Apple specialist at the time, while I was waiting to get my stuff because we were talking about the new M1 chip. Because I was saying I'm waiting for the 16-inch MacBook Pro to come out with an M1. And he was like saying, well, it might not be an M1, it might be an M2, or it might be like a kicked up version of the M1, because the M1 is more for like the Air and the MacBook Pro with just the two Thunderbolts right now. So not lower end models, because they're really still powerful machines, but just not the Pro higher level machines. And his assessment was the same as what I've been hearing, what, I've, what you've probably been hearing, that the benchmarks on the M1 are pretty good that the reviews are pretty good right now, performance is pretty good. It's still, again, too early because people haven't gotten their M1s in hand yet, so everyone hasn't been able to test it out to the full extent, but it seems very promising. It was good because I was able to experience what the pickup in-store was like 
due to COVID because I wanted to see how that worked. And then the other thing was to just chat a little bit about the M1 so that I can get a little bit of insight as to what might be coming in 2021 because I am looking for that 16-inch MacBook Pro to eventually come out with the next Apple Silicon chip so I can make that jump because it'll make it a lot easier to do things than using a 2013 MacBook Air. Anything else that you want to touch on, on anything that we've covered? Any topics that you have that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I don't think that there's anything for me, but I guess the one last thing I'll just say, just going back to the holiday season and that being kicked off, that if you do live in a building where there are workers, that I think we would all consider them essential workers because they help to maintain the building, you know, the super, the handymen, the porters, that, you know, this is the time that you do want to think about tipping them the end of the year especially because of this year and the extra work that they've had to put in that with any money saved you know from not going out and buying gifts or anything like that you should definitely put some of that to that that tip that you will give them and i'm sure they're going to very much appreciate that yeah thank you for bringing that up i think that's really important i think that's something that people can overlook very easily this year because it might be something that you normally do every year and then you're thinking okay let me you know maybe i shouldn't do that but they have had to continue to work in many cases to maintain the buildings and to still do their jobs while at the same time ensuring the proper safety protocols are followed so it's important that if you can to please remember to tip them for the holidays on that note thank you for listening to the dave and ron show podcast you can find us on apple podcasts google podcasts apple music and on spotify thank you ronald for joining me once again and until next time we'll talk to you then thanks so much bye happy holidays everyone. happy holidays bye